0: Every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
1: I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack. America's not the same as it was 100 years ago. The violent mayhem we have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats.
0: This is Our Lives in Politics with your host, Booker, and co-host, Lou Basada. Intersectionality is the framework for understanding how individuals' various social and political identities result in unique combinations of discrimination and privilege. Does that sound familiar? Intersectionality identifies many factors of advantage and disadvantage. If you have a pulse and the ability to reason, It's easy to understand intersectionality has been one of the tools or resources used to divide us, not unite us. And it's been happening for over a decade. Intersectionality has created smaller and smaller factions. And with that comes the polarization that kills the marketplace of ideas for common sense solutions. I'm Booker Scott. I hope your week was a great one, and thanks so much for being here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. In this hour, I hope to bring some information to you on how we, and you, can make a difference. Maybe some ideas to unite behind common goals. I'm going to introduce you to Christina Tobin. Her entire life has been played in the political arena and her organization will be hosting a series of presidential debates in 2024. We'll also hear from Arizona GOP Executive Committee man, Christian Lamar. Before we get to Christina Tobin though, there is finally a new Speaker of the House. After more than two weeks, Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson finally takes over. If I could take you back a couple of weeks ago, to the show right here on this network, Our Lives in Politics, on October 8th. The only name I mentioned as a good choice was Mike Johnson. Before the Republicans got to Johnson, though, we witnessed division within the party. And just as intersectionality results in division and polarization, we can also see how it can work politically. I don't believe our country has ever been more divided with one side unreasonably willing to consider the other. And that goes both ways. Hopefully, Mike Johnson can unify Republicans and together with Democrats, they all get to work for us and for America. Christina Tobin is next, but first, Mike Johnson from his first speech as Speaker of the House.
1: To my colleagues, I I wanna thank you all for the trust that you have instilled in me to lead us in this historic and unprecedented moment that we're in. The challenge before us is great, but the time for action is now, and I will not let you down. I want to say to the American people, on behalf of all of us here, we hear you. We know the challenges you're facing. We, we know that, uh, that there's a lot going on in our country, domestically and abroad, and we are ready to get to work again to solve those problems, and we will. Our mission here is to serve you well, to restore the people's faith in this house, in this great and essential institution.
0: So in this country and in this world, everything seems to be so polarizing when it comes to politics. And really, it has become that. It's left and right, and no one can have independent and Free thought, it seems like. You're either in one box or the other, but one person that has managed to do that for years and years and who has made her living doing just that is Christina Tobin. Her foundation is Free and Equal Elections, and she was all about free and equal elections way before it became cool After 2016, when the Russians stole the election for Donald Trump, and then in 2020, when we had a, quote, rigged election, unquote. I'm going to welcome to the program now, Christina Tobin. Christina, welcome.
2: Oh, thank you, Booker, so much for having me, and thanks for everything you do. But well, the truth out there.
0: Thank you so much. And let's, let's go back to your beginnings in this. I know that your dad ran for lieutenant governor, and that sort of started your career, which at the time probably wasn't a career, but a passion. And I would say that that passion has continued throughout your career.
2: Yes. Dad ran for lieutenant governor of Illinois in 2002, but four years prior, he ran for governor of Illinois as a Libertarian Party candidate. And that at 17 years of age was the first time I really saw uh, the flaws of the electoral system, how restrictive the ballot access barriers were. Dad had to collect 25,000 ballot signatures as a third-party candidate to be placed on the ballot for governor of Illinois. And while uh, it was 25,000 for third parties, it's only 5,000 for Democrats and Republicans. So He was recommended in 1998 by the hearing officer to be placed on the ballot, but the State Board of Elections uh, ruled him off the ballot. So unconstitutional what they did. And four years later, I stepped in and coordinated my dad's ballot drive for lieutenant governor and got him on the ballot. And that was the beginning of my career in in ballot access, which has evolved into uh, a lot of other things as well.
0: Yeah. And you you started that what Was that 20 years ago? You just said so. You were young. How old were you then when you started? And not to give away your age, but you oh, know. I'm
2: 25. I, yeah. It was 25 years ago, 17. I'm 42 now. Yes, yeah, so, so it's uh, and so
0: 17 years I just, old. You were that active. Yes, yeah, that's that's amazing. Well, a I was, great story.
2: I, I grew up around petitions when I was 13 in the office. My dad worked with Paul Jacob, I think he was the founder of Ballotpedia Original. and really big in the initiative world and millions of petitions, signatures around term limits. My dad really wanted to implement term limits with Paul Jacobs. So, yeah, (laughs) so I grew up around the petition world, not even knowing it. I remember playing with my dolls and seeing these stacks of petitions and then 17 years of age, it started to all make sense. So my roots go very deep consistently and really helping to get more voices and more choices on the ballot.
0: And that's what you do is you get people on the ballot. And I want to have that discussion because a lot of people have no idea what it takes to get someone on the ballot. Uh, They say this person should run, but it's not that simple. Uh, Every state you have to get on that state's ballot and that's where you come in. So I want to have that discussion in a minute, but first to free and equal elections foundation, you guys put on one of the presidential debates every four years and you even hosted back in 2012 i believe or moderated with larry king what was that experience like in 2012
2: well yeah for uh, about a decade i was saying from 2002 to 2008 i've helped gather uh, circulate coordinate millions of signatures uh, to get candidates on the ballot in 2008 i was hired as a national ballot access coordinator for independent Ralph Nader and getting him on the ballot successfully in 45 states plus DC. We didn't have money for all 50. I bring this up because uh, Ralph took me, he put on this open the presidential debates rally, and I learned that the mainstream Commission on Presidential Debates controls the uh, debates that is, uh, the CPD, uh, which the CBD Commission on Presidential Debates stole the debates in the early 70s from the legal women voters. So, that sparked the creation of Free and Equal Elections, uh, and it's a nonprofit, and our mission is to broaden electoral choices and and really reform the electoral system, bring people together, collaborative action. And in 2012, yes, Larry King stepped in. We co moderated uh, the Free and Equal Presidential Debate together. So. Free and Equal Elections has been hosting presidential debates for 15 years since 2008.
0: And in 2012, just to give people an idea. And, because-
2: uh, so, and, and your question with Larry King, it was yes. so exciting. <laughs> I mean, to have him jump in uh, to uh, moderate the debate. He did it for the cause. And the late uh, Larry King, uh, what a great moderator uh, to sit next to Some I mean, he's iconic. Uh, what a moment. And really brought our debate. We reached over tens of millions of people top yeah. trending on, on Twitter. So that was a really exciting moment in my career yeah, and very was, memorable.
0: That was big exposure for you. And in that 2012 debate, you had uh, Barack Obama, Mitt Romney, Gary Johnson, Jill Stein, Virgil Goode, and Rocky Anderson. And so there there are a few extra names there that we don't see on the debate stage. And I think that's what you were talking about just a minute ago with the control. You know, the last time we saw debates with Trump, and biden on all the networks but your debate also happened with extra people and and that's what you're all about is is getting more people exposure having more people involved in the process and giving us more choices and hearing more ideas
2: yeah the mainstream democrat and republican were invited to our debates in 2008 12 16 2020 Uh, None have yet to accept that invitation. And the reason why is they're beholden, as we know, and many of your listeners to big money, powers that be, Mm -hmm. you know, and tied to the military industrial complex, the pharmaceutical. And they don't want people to know that there's more than two political parties. So, yes, our debates open up that dialogue beyond because there's over 100 people now running for president this election and, and so on. And the people don't, the, the mainstream media and the system, they, they don't want people to know there's there's more than two political parties, as well as a lot of independents or even more independents I foresee running in the future. So we're here to change that. And our debates are not here to have, uh, we, I really brief and ask all candidates and moderators, of course, I work with Uh, Larry King, just iconic and and being great at interviewing and the art of listening. I really agree with all the candidates that we're not here to attack one another. We're here to respect each other's ideas, no matter how different they may be, uh, that you listen because really our platform is here for the people to, to understand what the viewpoints are of each candidate, let the people decide and vote in which candidate resonates with them the most, and that's what differs our debate platform from the mainstream argument of fighting divisive uh, commission on presidential debates and, and we're not in that, 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 that energetic field, we're here to unite and through conversation, we can bring about
0: solutions. You mentioned over 100 people running for president right now, and, and a lot of people don't, don't get that. And, you know, they hear the names of 10, 12, 15 people, but there's so many other people that have their name in the ring, in the hat. Now, getting from 100 down to 5, 6, or 7, that's not easy to do because there are 50 states, and each state you have to get on that state's individual ballot. And that's what you do. And can you talk a little bit about that process? Because I think so many people probably listening to this don't have a true understanding of that part of the process and how hard, difficult it is to get a third party uh, on a ballot in a state.
2: Yes, I wear two different hats. You have the 501c3 nonprofit, Free and Equal Elections, which we've been speaking about that hosts presidential debates. We also host United We Stand festivals, bringing together artists, conscious thought leaders, coalitions, organizations. To spark civic discussion and inspire people to run for office have been hosting those festivals for seven years in a row um and uh, we also are implementing a blockchain voting app i'd love to discuss uh, later sure. on our yeah. debate this fall and the moderator that we've announced that we're holding this winter that is but um, and then the other hat's the 501c4, Free and Equal Inc., my petitioning company, again, has gathered uh, millions of signatures, Free and Equal Inc., that is, has gathered millions of signatures to get candidates the ballot from independent Democrats, Republicans, third parties, independent candidates. So right now, uh, the restrictive ballot access barriers are one of many different flaws. That's the nicest way of putting it, uh, flaws in yeah. our electoral system. It takes 938,000 plus signatures just to get, for example, an independent on the ballot for president in all 50 states plus DC. So which means in order to succeed with the drive of that magnitude, you want to uh, have a uh, 20% cushion on top of valid validated mm-hmm. signatures. Plus, I only uh, offer 100% validation in my services that I do. So meaning every single petition, People have to sign. It's going to be upwards of 1.4 million that I would have to collect to take on an independent presidential ballot drive, my petitioning company and team and coordinators that make it successful. Uh, You know, you are who you surround yourself with. So the flaws of the electoral system, um, yes, it's far more rigorous for independents, third parties, Democrats and Republicans for president only have to get around 25,000 signatures, versus over 938,000 ballot signatures for an independent for president. So um, all the flaws of the electoral system from proportional representation to the electoral college and and so on. And this is, these are the flaws that help the Democrats and Republicans, help ensure them getting reelected over and over again. And here at Free and Equal Elections, we're going to be addressing those flaws through our presidential debate series and United We Stand. Um,
0: and so on. Christina, let's talk a little bit about that electoral college. How do you feel about it? Because I'm hearing some things in our conversation here that maybe you're not for the electoral college. Is that something that you like or no?
2: I'm, I'm very simple. I mean, I'm, I'm here to bring the experts together to discuss what is the best type of, um, should we have popular vote, electoral, uh, college, um, I just think every vote should count.
0: Yeah,
2: It's that simple across the board. And under blockchain voting, when we replace most, if not every member of Congress, and then it just tr- trickles down to every member from state, uh, federal, of course, state, local, and, and so on, legislative, I do foresee that all of these flaws that we have in the electoral system will naturally be reformed across the board and really open it up to candidates uh, to have a free and equal chance of winning. So. Uh, I still have yet to learn. I'm learning more on Electoral College, but I just find it interesting that we suddenly had a problem with it when it impacted a mainstream candidate from getting elected. As in a mainstream Democrat, Republican, we've had this for so long, but um, every vote should count. And I I feel under a transparent uh, system, uh, blockchain, or even better things that I hear are coming out uh, beyond blockchain voting, uh, we will be able to one day see on a ledger and so on. Uh, our vote being counted. And that's going to inspire a lot more people. I know a lot of people that just are like, I don't want to vote because I don't feel it counts. Well, okay, let's fix it. So when you see that it counts and or you see a candidate that you really are aligned with, whatever, whether they're with a party or an independent candidate, because the Gallup polls say there's more independents than there are Democrats and Republicans combined, I think we're going to see, I'm confident, I just know we're going to see A lot more people being engaged in the voting process in the future
0: we'll go to blockchain here in a minute but before we do as we go into the 24 election season and we're talking about debates and what what do you see as a strategist in politics are going to be the key items that people get energized about voting i mean we've come through for uh, the last three years with Joe Biden, we've had the highest inflation, and, and we can put that blame wherever you want to. You can say it started with COVID, which it probably did with inflation, but here we are at a 40-year high on inflation, highest gas prices ever. We have uncertainty in the world uh, from Israel and Ukraine and Russia. What what do you think are the things that are going to be those uh, kitchen table items They get people's attention, motivate them to go vote and to donate to candidates.
2: Yeah. I used the word before no, and my father taught me all I know. And we've heard the saying, all I know is that I know nothing. (laughs) And I wanted to say that I hope, I hope that people see that their vote, you know, really is going to count. And I'm here to bring in the free and equal movement and and really an independent PLAP movement rising here is that, uh, I, I, to answer your question on that is, is bringing hope and change. We, we I see psychological indoctrination of the Obama campaign intentionally using hope and change. Yes. Well, it didn't come as a surprise that uh, you just look at the of course, he has this ambiance and charisma, but follow the money. I'm very practical. Follow the money. Yeah. I saw the money being donated to his campaign. Don't trust it. Doesn't matter what you look like or who you are don't trust it. So here at Free and Equal Elections, we're here to shift that mindset back into hope and change really is there and really in the mindset that there's so many beautiful things happening in the world that the current system doesn't focus on. They're focusing on the negativity and needing to, uh, in order to fill up their reservoir, they have to feed the military industrial complex, as they've done with what's going on. Unfortunately, I have no words for who does with Israel and Gaza, and it just has gone beyond that and the cycle of chaos every 30, 50 or so years to fill those reservoirs. I see that ending. I see that system expiring. Um, a lot of people in Congress, the average age is, age is 70, 80. I mean, it's so yeah. old. And I see a new paradigm building. And that's where we come in to really direct people uh, in a solution-based direction. I don't know if I got your question or, you know, directly. I Feel free think... to ask it a little <laughs> bit more detail, but that, that's, that's my response. I think
0: I your think broad you, question. Yeah, yeah, it was broad, but I wanted you to go, <laughs> and I, I think you answered it like maybe I Aww. thought you would, and, and and that's right in the middle, and I I I appreciate that, I respect that, and you know I think that they don't want solutions for the big problems, and by they I mean those seventy and eighty year olds that have been there for so long. Uh, We don't have term limits, so they continue to get elected, and they use the things that uh, should be important to us, like the border and abortion and all of those types of things, really just to emotionally charge people to get their base to go vote. And then people are left out, like the people that you're talking about, that say their votes don't count. And don't feel like that it will. And uh, so I think solutions is a great idea. And I, I would love to see solutions for all of those things. And hopefully we can. You mentioned blockchain a few minutes ago. Let's talk about that. Let's. Uh, I know absolutely nothing about blockchain when it comes to blockchain and elections and polling. Fill us in on what you know.
2: Well, uh, blockchain I will, but I just definitely term limits. You know, I grew up around those stacks of petitions. I think term limits uh, really has a lot of good intention to it. Of course, you know, having a candidate, we don't want them running over and over again problem is with term limits is that when they get term limited out, um, if they do, they can then seek a higher level of office, right. And typically get elected. And then you have those really few good candidates that it took a lot for them to get in and they're term limited out. And it's really hard for them to get back in. And that's, and and that's the argument.
0: That's the argument that people make on the other side of, of that. Uh,
2: I see both sides. I say, when we elect all these accountable people in office, it's just like a, you work, you, you do the job one or two times, cycles and that's it and you can't like running for a higher office no we don't that's just where you get beholden to money and so I'm excited to bring experts I'm always learning and evolving as well with ideas these are just some in the moment and uh, excited to hear through our platforms and symposiums expert discuss these topics Um, going into the blockchain question that you mentioned again I'm around a lot of experts learning in that too uh, so I don't have nearly as much uh, knowledge as, for example, we're working with Colin Cantrell, Nexus. You can check out his website, nexus.io. Uh, his father co-founded, was really the mind uh, in creating SpaceX with Elon Musk, uh, Vice President uh, Jim Cantrell. And Colin is the, co- is the coder and developer for our blockchain voting app uh, application, which will be evolving into an app through our presidential debate series 2024. So uh, to really tie it into our projects, uh, this winter uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be co-moderating our first presidential debate for a series. We're going to have at least three or so into 2024 with Jimmy Dore. I mean, that is just cool. This guy asked the hard-hitting questions. And so we're implementing the blockchain voting app into the series where the people can vote through ranked choice voting, the top six candidates that they want to have at our live presidential debate this winter a free and equals presidential debate that is this winter with Jimmy Dore and I co-moderating, and we're close to uh, confirming a third uh, moderator as well. So with over 100 people running for um, for president, uh, what my understanding, and maybe you can have Colin Cantrell, and you can interview with him because he can really dive into the, yeah, I would love to. just how the blockchain works. And I'm learning from him. He's a master, a genius with this. Uh, but essentially, your vote goes on the ledger, and you can actually see that your vote has been counted and so um, but uh, I, I definitely see the value in paper ballots. I see uh, a value in blockchain. Sometimes I wonder if people could cast a paper ballot and the vote can go on the ledger so they can see that their paper ballot was counted. So there's just a lot of ideas of what's the best, but Right now, uh, we, we have a lot of room for improvement when it comes to how our votes are casted. those voting machines tied to like Dominion Depot to Soros. Sure. No. I mean I've, I've, I've definitely spoken uh, to controllers and Secretary of states that have seen the votes change on these machines. So uh, definitely got to fix that. So blockchain voting, go to our website, free and equal. And there is a page on there that uh, gives more details of what blockchain voting is and what our app is going to evolve beyond allowing people to vote the candidates. We're going to have polls like a people's poll building through this app and um, eventually listing every single candidate running for office. These are third party independent candidates will be plugged into this app as we build out our presidential debate series next year. Um, we're going to evolve into a United, we stand toward the 25 and 26. So it's a huge independent movement building here and, um, individuals like yourself, Booker, uh, it's, it's really, uh, in the independent media like yourself, that's going to help, uh, really promote this idea to the people from the ground up. So thank you again for what you do and having me on your
0: show. Well, thank you for those words. And as we wrap up here in this half hour Is there anything else you want to add? I know you're working on a big deal. We're not going to talk about that, but maybe folks will hear about that after this program comes on in the coming weeks. And when you do, you'll understand uh, the person that has been here on this half hour uh, on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Her name is Christina Tobin. Christina, I'm going to give you the last word here to encourage people uh, to get involved somehow, some way in the process because I know that's what you are really all about.
2: I'm transparent, finalizing. I've been asked to get an independent for president on the ballot, 50 states plus DC. That, that is exciting for me. I would do it for many different independents. And so that is to uh, be announced, it looks like very soon. And regarding our presidential debate, uh, please go to freeandequal.org and, and uh, donate. Uh, we have uh, on Jimmy Dore, we've asked to raise 30,000. We've already hit over 10,000 of our goal for venue production. Um, the network has brought a venue, a 360 immersive venue our way. We're working to finalize and solidify that, and your support at freenequal.org will ensure that the kickoff for our presidential debate series, truly for the people, and you're going to vote in your top six candidates, uh, will be uh, happening this winter. So excited that Jimmy Dore has uh, led the way, comedian. we got to have a little laughter in these challenging times. <laughs> And I really want to say to everybody, remember, there's so much more good in the world than not. And there's so much hope and change in the world. And we love wins. We will win. We will prevail. We shall overcome. History is on our side. And when we do take back our country and our nation, the whole world is watching America and they're going to follow. And so please, again, go to freeneagle.org. Booker, thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: And thank you so much for Christina Tobin coming here. So smart, been at that game for so long, and she has a big announcement coming up. Uh, She couldn't say it yet, but it is coming up. In in the next few days, you're going to see some information coming out. If you want to, you can find that information if you just follow Christina Tobin. You can follow her on social media under that same name. Make sure you go to fairandequal.org and while you're there make sure to register on the site to get information and also to be a part of that process in selecting the people that you want to see in those winter presidential debates coming up in 24 she was just talking about it so uh, make sure you go there fair and dot org that's the website to go to christian lamar is next we're going to dig into actionable items and some things that we should all be doing right now or can do to make a difference. It's next on America Out Loud Talk Radio. The buildup of spike proteins is
3: dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body,
1: removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OutLoud Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Change in the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty.
3: America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
0: Welcome back to the program here on America Out Loud Talk Radio or wherever you're listening on a podcast. My name is Booker Scott. I really appreciate you being here. And while you are listening to this program, take the time to go to the Play Store on your phone and download the app, America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can hear 365 days a year, great conservative talk radio that you don't hear anywhere else in this country. That's America Out Loud Talk Radio app. Now joining us for this segment is a guy who I've heard speak quite a few times. It's been a while since we have spoken, but I'm glad to have him here. He's a he's full of energy. He's a guy that is heavily involved in politics in the state of Arizona. And I know what you think. As soon as I say politics and in Arizona, you go back to the 20 election and then you go back to Carrie Lake's election. But Christian Lamar is who I am speaking of. And he is trying to make a difference in the state of Arizona, so I thought it would be a good idea really to bring him on to share some ideas and some strategies that the folks in Arizona are trying to use to secure their elections and make sure that coming up here in 24, things go a lot better than they did back in 20, and even in 22, where we saw what happened with Kerry Lake. Please welcome to the program now, Christian Lamar. Christian, great to talk to you again.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we go, first of all, let's talk about Kerry Lake. Are there any other lawsuits that are still hanging out there? Where exactly is all of that?
3: Well, I know that, uh, of course, there's multiple cases um, and, and multiple courts and jurisdictions. Um, I do know that um, there was a challenge in a county outside Maricopa Concerning uh, the signature verification process, mm-hmm. that uh, was reported that it was uh, a favorable ruling. Uh, but I caution people because, at the end of the day, the legislature has to change the law, and the uh, and even if a court uh, does say that. Uh, that Maricopa County's procedure is unconstitutional, or if they uh, order the county uh, to do something um, uh, post-election, that won't change uh, the law. Uh, And and at the end of the day, it's got to be changed. Uh, And the legislature, of course, we know the legislature uh, writes the law. They write the budget. Uh, in the federal constitution, they uh, appoint the presidential electors, as well as setting the time, place, and manner of elections. Uh, and as far as Arizona goes, even the le- uh, the legislature, by uh, really just by virtue of a simple majority vote, they create the counties. They form the counties by statute. Uh, Many people are not aware of that. And so what that essentially means is if the legislature wants the county to do anything, it is totally under their auspice. It it is totally under their control. So um, the idea that a lot of folks have that, well, you know, the county is separate from the state and the state can't do anything and yada, blah, et cetera. It's just simply not true. Um, and even we've had multiple courts uh, state that the legislature is in charge uh, of the of elections, whether we're talking about ballot envelope signatures, whether we're talking about enforcing subpoenas, uh, the money that comes from the state shared revenue to Maricopa County, that's almost $900 million. Um, it, it, all of that is under the, the state legislature's control, and even by the legislature's own words, um, and I won't name off all the names, but I, I'm just going to uh, quote them, quote, uh, we are the election officials, end quote, quote, uh, the elections are on our so- shoulders, uh, uh, quote, we wrote the election procedure manual, yeah. end quote. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the law says it, the federal law, the state law, their own words, the courts have affirmed it, even the judges in Kerry Lake's trials have also stated this, and the county themselves have stated, let us know when the legislature, uh, when you're ready to lobby the legislature to change the law. So that that's an open and closed case on who's in charge of the elections and while the courts can uphold the constitution at the end of the day it's it's about the legislature
0: yeah and christian one thing that i didn't say when i introduced you is uh, you are part of the arizona gop executive committee and you also ran for office in 22 and for the state house and it came up a little bit short there, but you gave it a great run. And one thing to point out about Kerry Lake and going through these court cases, the remedy for it is not going to be to take Katie Hobbs out of her position as governor. And we can already see that Kerry Lake has moved on and now is running for Senate. But the important thing that you're talking about is securing the elections with law done in the state legislature. And a lot of people, I think, have fallen asleep And what I mean by that is we have spent the last year with a lot of energy in a lot of places that really haven't done us much good. Our energy should be where you're talking about and what you have actually been doing. What are some of the things you guys are doing in Arizona to try to make a difference in the grassroots, to make sure that you get the right people into the state house to make those laws and secure those elections?
3: Well, what we're doing, we are... um We are taking an approach at the grassroots level. And that approach at the grassroots level is to, uh, number one, use the political power of the party to hold our elected officials accountable. Um, And we do that with the power of censure. You know, uh, many people, when they hear the word censure, they think about the government censuring itself. Sure. But, but 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 that's not what uh what it means in term in its totality because number one a censure is a public disapproval of an elected official censures were started back during Andrew Jackson's presidency um and there are two different types of censures you have a legislative uh censure that's done by the government when it when they are censuring each other inside legislative chambers and then you have censures that are written and motioned and voted on by the people now the censures that are written and voted on by the people those censures have more power than the government censuring itself because the, because those censures written by the people by the voters and the precinct committeemen inside the party—that is what elected officials have to rely on in order to even qualify for office. I see. Um, and, and so, just as an example, when Liz Cheney—you uh, know—if we remember, Liz Cheney was at the top of the uh, of the United States Congress Republican Conference. And it's basically, what that means to the audience is she was very high up in U.S. Congress. And when she decided to support the, quote, unselect committee, end quote, of January 6th, uh, she faced, not only was she uh, no longer identified as a Republican by the Wyoming GOP, also she was soundly defeated in her primary and and even since then, going forward, no one's going to trust her. She can, She would not be elected in a phone booth. Um, and 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 that is that is because of what the Wyoming GOP did. It started there, and that and that made every voter aware this particular elected official or candidate. You can't trust them. We don't identify her as a Republican. You shouldn't vote for her. You shouldn't even sign her sick, her petition to qualify on the ballot. You shouldn't donate to her. You shouldn't volunteer for her. You shouldn't go to any of her events. That has a, a huge effect on any incumbent, any elected official, any candidate. That's the real power of the censure. And that is that has a much greater effect than the government censuring itself.
0: And I want to come back to that and ask you how you guys are going about that in Arizona. But I don't know if you saw this. Liz Cheney over the weekend said that she hasn't ruled out running for president. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know who who she thinks is going to uh, vote for her. Maybe her dad would. I, I'm not sure. Uh, how do you guys go about this process of creating a censure from the people?
3: Well, what we do is we we find out what is it for for a particular uh, incumbent or elected official. What is it that's happening? Within the government, that should not be happening, or is there a key policy, or or position that uh, the elected official has taken against the interests of the voter or the precinct committee? Men, uh, what specifically there uh, does does that uh, not only does that affect how that affects voters? inside of that elected officials, congressional district or, or or any other part of the government. And once we've identified that, we put that into the text of the censure. And, and one thing to keep in mind, censures don't have to be written. So if you're a member of a, a, a and this would be a member of a Republican committee, because a Republican committee, uh, you know, m- many times it has precinct committeemen. Sometimes it has precinct chairs. Sometimes it has uh, central committee members, so on and so forth. And so, if you're a member of a of a Republican c- committee and you're having a meeting, or if you call for an emergency meeting, you can motion for or for a censure of an elected official even without it being in writing. And once it uh, once that censure passes and either the media gets a hold of it or you put it out in the public, just saying the word that that particular elected official was censured, it communicates automatically disapproval yeah. of the elected official. It so, carries so some that weight, yeah. Correct. And, and, and that's why it's so effective and this is severely underutilized across in, in my opinion across I would say all uh, state, uh all states because we we should we should hear the word censure so much that people almost get tired of the word but we're not hearing it and 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 uh, one thing that um That I have uh, been telling people uh, an easy way of understanding this is, you know, when when we see elected officials on television or when they're in an interview and they say, uh, well, you know, I'm protecting democracy and uh, it's all about democracy. Well, we've we've been conditioned to believe that when we participate in democracy, we go vote on Election Day. Yeah. And then we vote on Election Day. Then we vote the next two years and then the next four years and then the next six years. And then we don't participate. We don't join Republican committees. We don't keep an eye on our elected officials. We don't give the elected officials requirements, action items, deliverables. We just automatically think, well, the elected official they're going to do their job automatically. We're not going to have to tell them anything. And then we'll talk to them in another two years or four years, right around campaign time. Well, that's essentially what democracy really is. In a Republican form of government, that is where we're participating 12 months a year. So the elected official not only is listening to the people, they are representing the people, but there is a constant communication back and forth. And that participation ensures that there is a Republican form of government in a republic. And and that's the way we should be seeing Not only our elected officials, our government, but our country overall, because we're keeping a close eye and watching our elected officials to see what they do, to see if they follow through on the promises that they made during their campaign.
0: And, of course, Christian is talking really at the state level. But if you take that to the federal level, and let's take a look at what's going on in Washington, D.C. We get rid of Kevin McCarthy, and now we go through all the votes that, that are happening uh, to find a new speaker. And so we went through that this week. And being a part of the process, because, Christian, I see this all the time on social media. This guy needs to be primaried. And what does that really mean? And you're speaking exactly what that means, is we have to be involved in the local level at the GOP, join the Republican clubs. You have to rub elbows with these people. That's where you vet. That's where you find your candidates. And and that's where you help promote them, go door to door, and get people elected. And that's where the change is made, isn't it?
3: Exactly. Exactly. That, That is that as I say, is the political power. Uh, All of our state constitutions say that all political power is inherent to the people. In our federal constitution, it says we the people. So uh, whether whether we participate or not, the power is with the people. The, uh, The only question is, Are the people utilizing their political power or is the government becoming the political power? Because when the government becomes political power, then that's how you create uh, uh, dictators. That's how you end up with an authoritarian government. That's how you end up even with a group such as Hamas inside of the government. Hamas holds. Seventy-four legislative seats of 132 for the state of Palestine. That that they had they have they're the government a political yep. power in the government uh, uh, under the terrorist group of Hamas.
0: Yes, yeah, and uh, you know one thing that that I try to remind people of is if you want change, you have to be the change. You can't sit back and let things happen, or we end up exactly where we happen to be right now. And I'm the first to admit, you know, for 20 or 25 years, I sat back and put trust and faith in the people that I voted for. And I realized several years ago, that didn't work. And we have to get involved, and we have to get involved at the local level. And it's really so simple, but yet we try to stay focused on the presidential race or the Senate race, the big races, but that's not how it's done, is it?
3: Right, right. And, and it's, it's more than just uh, getting involved in, in, in one particular uh, race during the election season. It is essentially staying involved uh, and keeping an eye on your elected officials so that, you know, you don't have to whip out an election guide on who you need to vote for. You 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 know who you know who's who, who's been doing what, have they been representing the people? And it won't be as if you need to go and call your friend and or call someone. No, you're you're already gonna know. In fact, I would even take I would even take it a step further. We as citizens or and as the people, we should be putting so much pressure on our elected officials. That they should have to pick up the phone to call us to find out what it is that we want. Yeah. That's what should be happening.
0: And and unfortunately, it isn't. We seem to get distracted with so many things. And you kind of hit on it there a minute, just a minute ago, is focus. We have to keep focus on what is important. And as we see the things that are falling apart in this country and the things that we feel like we don't really have any control over, the fact is we do have control over it when we do the things that you're speaking of. And you mentioned precinct committee man, and we've got a few more minutes here, and I probably shouldn't have said committee man, committee person, Um, but it's a very important position. I had Dan Schultz on a show um, not too long ago, the uh, precinct strategy is his thing, and and we talked a little bit about the precinct committee person and how important it is and really how many empty seats there are and how the Republican Party, the National Republican Party, they don't want you to know that all these seats are available. And you can tell us how important that precinct committee person is in the whole process of going local and making a difference.
3: It is the... Arms, legs, and body of the Republican Party. When we think of the Republican Party, we think of Ron Romney McDaniel or the mm-hmm. RNC chair, or we think of uh, a member of United States Congress, or the governor, or a mayor, or who, or a previous or current president. But the political party are the people, the voters, who are the committeemen and women of the party. Yeah. That, is, that is the makeup of the party. So when someone says that uh, they are uh, representing the party, the Republican Party, well, there's all different kinds of state Republican parties. Then you have within that state multiple Republican committees. And then within those Republican committees, you might have Republican clubs. Uh, So there are so many parts uh, to to uh, political parties and 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 the Republican Party, and being a part of that as a committee man or committee woman or precinct chair or central committee member, if you're a member of the party then you have voting power over the party, your elected officials, and as well as the political branches of the government. Because when a candidate wants to run for office, they typically run through either the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. Now, for my friends who are independents, Party not determines, unaffiliated. I understand that you don't like political parties. But what I will say is again, when we when our founding fathers uh gave us this beautiful republic, they intended for us to have groups, coalitions, uh, committees, or shall we say, parties that represent the people so that the elected officials always had to go back and answer to the people. That is the purpose of a political party. And the more you participate in the political party, the more power and control you have over the government. And and, and again, elected officials cannot qualify for office unless they go through the political party. So that's outside of the primary. That's outside of the general election. That's even before they even get to the qualifying period where they have to submit their names to get on a ballot. This is the power and control that we have over the government.
0: But we have to take it back. And we have to get busy and you have to go to work. We can't just sit around and tweet about it, talk about it, and uh, uh we, we have to get to work. And now is the time. Right now is the time, and six months was the time. It's not gonna be six months from now, and it's not gonna be November of twenty-four when we go cast a cast a vote. Uh Christian Lamar is his name. He is part of the Arizona GOP, he is an executive committee man at large, I believe, Christian. Christian, thank you so much for making time to come and join us here. I really appreciate it, buddy. I thank you.
3: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, if if anyone would like to uh, follow me on social media, uh, my uh, handle on all the platforms is Christian L. Lamar. Where you can uh, go to my website, ChristopherArizona.com or just look me up uh, and you can find me that
0: way. Thank you so much. And a big thank you to Christian Lamar and also Christina Tobin. Don't forget to go to her website, fairandequal.org and register there. Also be a part of finding those presidential candidates. It's time to get involved. It's time to get active. You know, a movement is not a movement unless we are moving. A do is a verb, so let's get busy and do something about where we are and what this country is. Let's make it what we want it to be. Be the change that you want to be. I'm Booker Scott. Thanks a lot for listening to this hour. We really appreciate it. And remember, salt without flavor, it has no value. And you are the salt of the earth, so be salty. You've been listening to Our Lives and Politics on the America Out Loud Network.